0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Hey, welcome back to the Dugout Dudes on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Brett Tomko with uh, my co-host Josh Luke. We've been talking to Eric Burns on what has been going on since retiring from baseball, and getting into the sport of endurance racing. Uh, Eric has brought us many stories about his uh, introduction into the sport and what he has recently done by completing a triathlon across America, which included a seven-mile swim across the San Francisco Bay, a 2,300-mile bike ride from... Oakland to Chicago and a 900 over a 900 mile run to New York finally finishing up at old Yankee Stadium and this was all for his foundation the Let Him Play Foundation to raise awareness on how PE um, has been taken out of schools and you know the importance of physical activity in kids and what that does for them and their brain and just overall good health so we will continue with part two um, of our discussion with Eric Burns so here we go
2: my real question
1: actually because I'm so fascinated
2: by all this because I I knew none of this since your your playing career I was a big fan and you played uh, but but here's a a question that that I had Brett the other day when he said hey I got Eric Burns lined up we're going to talk about um, the movie and so I immediately thought he was talking about Moneyball. And I know you were a member of the O2 Moneyball team. So can you just speak to our audience about that movie and what it was like? And did you guys feel, was there something different in that locker room than the other locker rooms you played on? Because um, we'd heard about it for years. There was, of course, the book. So many people have tried to replicate it now. Of course, there's so many people doing their own sabermetric stuff. But being a part of that original organization, and my brother came up with the Yankees and the A's were always that team on the heels of the Yankees in the playoffs during the Yankees quote-unquote dynasty, what was it like to be a part of that?
0: Uh, it was cool. I mean, there was a lot more, obviously, that goes into, um, you know, what that team was than what was portrayed in the movie. You know, and I, and I think it starts sure. uh, with the minor league system and, and Keith Lippman, who was the farm director. And yeah. I, I, he was probably, you know – the most influential uh, guy in my professional baseball career that in his name, his name never gets mentioned. He actually just, I think mean, just recently uh, retired. and got moved into more of an assistant role, but he like what he did in developing the players, just like <laughs> player development. I can't tell you guys. I mean, you know, Brett, you know, dude how, how big it is, because once you get to professional baseball, you have a bunch of dudes with talent. And the question is, how are you gonna make that talent come to fruition and how are you gonna get the most out of it? And So for a long time, the a's did a really good job of that. Now, that all said, Billy has always been on the cutting edge. And, uh, you know, the, the fact and idea that a movie was made with Brad Pitt, uh, you know, being the, the lead guy and playing Billy Bean, like, as far as I'm concerned, dude, that was, that was deserved, man. Like. He, what he did, the way he thought, the, the, what he was willing to try um, was revolutionary. And then you saw all the other teams adopt it. Like, I was sitting in a room with David Forrest, who basically him and I are the same age. I played against him. He's at Harvard. And he's, the, he's now the general manager of the A's. And, you know, and Billy's the president, whatever. But this is 2000, and we're talking OPS and OPS+. plus. So it's just like, like nobody knew what that was.
1: No, and, and everybody thought he was crazy. Everyone thought he was crazy, crazy. For, for doing all this stuff.
0: So you know the parts of the movie where you see like Billy or David and like sitting around with, with – it was Peter, Peter Brandt, too, who was Paul De Podesta, but sitting around and explaining to the players like they communicated to us. They told us the numbers that they were looking at to evaluate. Um, and so, you know, in that regard – I had a ton of respect, uh, you know, for Billy. Now, that all said, you know, he was, he was really – there were a few things that he was caught up on, like, you know, the lefty-righty matchup thing. It's, sure. it's all about numbers, right? And so uh, – but, but Brett also knows that, look, if you're, say, a, a standard left-handed hitter, uh, and you never – Jock Peterson, perfect example for you guys. If Jock Peterson never faces a left-hander, he's never going to get better against left-handers. Sure. So you take this guy with this crazy talent and, and who should be in the lineup each and every single day, and you pull him out against every lefty, how are you ever going to expect him to get better against the lefty? So that was kind of one counter-argument. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Josh, kind of go back to your original point. Like, was it different that locker room? Yes, because you had 25 guys that bought into a role. 25 guys that didn't care who got the credit. And that is very rare in I professional say that, baseball.
1: That, that's hard because the game has changed. I mean, when, when you and I came up, and I, I'd like to know your opinion on this, is, you know, it was very different. We came up and there were the veteran guys and they clubhouse and the rookies, you know, knew their place. They knew not to speak. It's very different now. And I think it has to do with there's a lot of money involved where these, these kids come up from the get go, they've already made their money and they walk in the clubhouse and they know they're the franchise. They know they are, are the guys there. So there's a different mentality and, and the game has changed. There's a lot more. Could you imagine? I mean, could you imagine when we came up the showboating and the bat flipping and all that stuff? I mean, if somebody bat flip on me in the third inning, dude, they're getting one in the neck like the yeah. next time up. That that doesn't happen anymore. The game has changed so much, but you're right. They, the the people have to buy into it, and they have to fool – I hated facing Oakland or a minor league organiz- – like an Oakland organization in AAA because you knew – you knew the game was not going to be easy and flow and kids were going to be coming out of their shoes early in the count. You knew they were going to work counts, which as a pitcher – I mean, here I go. Now I got to work. Now I know my pitch count. I'm, I'm, I may last five innings, six innings, because I'm going to be up in the hundred at that point because Oakland, that's what they were about. That's, and like you said, it was, re, it's revolutionary because now every team is looking at those numbers. Every team is dissecting it to like a crazy degree, almost, and I, this would be interesting in your opinion. Is it too much Are, is it the analyzing too much stuff now, or, or do they just need to figure out what's important and, and what they should really be looking at?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think there's a fine line when it comes to the players. Um, you know, Torrey Lavello, uh, who's the manager of the Arizona Dimebacks, I-, I think he does a really good job in the communication between uh, the players and the front office personnel. And that's why yeah, I think the manager's job is so important right now because basically <clears throat> you could give, it, you would give a player – you have to know how much you could give somebody right and and, you know it's easy to say well you give them what they want and whatever but it's like you have to be very gentle when you force feed some you know something to somebody and because you can't force it. if you force it you lose them you have to just be able to explain to them and say hey look like this is the reason why i want you being aggressive on the o-o count because you get a fastball 75 percent of the time as opposed to 52 percent which is league average now and yeah 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 so you make these things make sense to these guys um but you don't want them thinking when they're in the box you can't think and hit at the same time it's just you know we, we we know that it's just it's a natural instinctive reflex thing like very complex between the eyes the mind and the body all working together so it's uh I just, you know, I just think that it's really important to make sure you figure out who can who can digest what. As right. a baseball That's a good way analyst, to it. I love it. Baseball analysts like, give me every number you could dream of. I want all of it.
1: Right. So and me then, I mean, you.
2: go ahead. Go ahead, Brett.
1: Well, yeah, no. He, Eric was saying, like, hitting. You know, you can't think up there. As as pitching, the the times that I got most in trouble is when I'm thinking too much. I mean, there were points I still remember uh i was facing barry bonds and i was going through a little bit of a struggle and it was like i would think all right little step lay kick break your hands arm up like if you think that much you got no shot because at that point what am i trying to do where am i trying to throw this ball Sound like crash oh, davis there man no seriously and there's times well, i mean that's why baseball is a very hard thing hitting's hard pitching's hard and and if you're there you got to react it's a it's a complete reaction. Um, type game and if you're if you're clouded if you're if you have more than i i always said that i could have like one thought process maybe two if i was locked in if i was really locked in i could think two things during my delivery and still figure out what i'm trying to do with the pitch and it was i so to put it gently i usually had to think one because i was never that locked in so you know no, it, it's i think it's all how you want to use the information like you said as an analyst as what we're doing You know, we started this up last year, you know, it's been fun to look at all the numbers because you can really, if you really know how to look at it, you can, you can find some interesting things and and really kind of see like, ah, this all makes sense. Why this guy can't get it done or why this guy's doing what he's doing, because look at these numbers, look at how, look at how these numbers add up. And that's why he's being successful right now.
2: Well, I tell you what. Looking at uh, on Baseball Reference, and there's a stat that there's a couple stats I wanted to ask you about. You're asking sure? about
1: his batting, Eric's batting average against. No, me?
2: against you. I heard. <laughs> I heard over. <laughs> not good. Five
1: seventy-one. I looked it up. Five seventy-one. No yeah, dude, you, dude, there was a stretch. I can, dude, I remember, I can remember you almost decapitated me one at bat in Arizona.
0: Uh, up the middle. I do remember Up the middle. Spot. Dude,
1: you almost killed me. And I saw you afterwards in the, in the, in the tunnel. Like I think it was a getaway day. I was like, dude, you almost killed me. He's like, Oh man, I just got a pitch. I got hit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the year probably. Hey, so, so this is the, the number that jumped out at me. 699 plate appearances in one season. That's crazy. In 2007, with your yeah. candidate was that you were you were top twelve and the MVP voting had a great year, but that's a ton of at, at- bats.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, one of the things I pride myself on was, you know, being able to play if I got the opportunity. So you know, I played ten healthy years before I eventually twinged a hamstring and then uh, tried to play through it and popped it off the bone and then came back and got hit in the hand and shattered my hand and whatnot. But well, let me yeah, ask I
1: just, you. I saw, hey, I saw that video of of your son dotting you up. That was <laughs> oh, he's man. going right for the weak spot. I shattered my hand yeah. too. That's how, that that was my last game. Was I got my hand shattered? And had to have surgery. So kind of hit home. I was like, oh man, that little kid just went right up and in on him right there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> let me ask you about the free agent process. Uh, where you sure. ended up in Arizona as a free agent in '06? Correct? Yeah, That was your choice to go there, or was that a trade?
0: No, it, it was my choice. So I I, I got traded. I was in Oakland from 2000-2005. Got traded to Colorado at the All-Star break in 2005. Yeah. Played there for two weeks. Traded to Baltimore. Um, two and then you became a free agent. Yeah. Non-ten- non-tendered. Yeah, That's why I, I, I wanted I to ask you. Go ahead. I struggled in, in Colorado, Struggled in Baltimore, just tough second half of the season. Um, you know, I think for a lot of different reasons, but I, I mainly it was just – trying too hard, right? So when you got to impress your teammates and whatnot.
2: But the next couple of years were the best years. And that's why I wanted to ask you, you, going through that free agent process is, is really an honor that you earn because you've been in, you know, playing at the highest level for all those years. One of the things I noticed is your first year in Arizona, 25 stolen bases, you know, that's eight more than you'd ever had. And then the next year, what happened? The next year, you, you took off 50 stolen bases, only got caught seven times. Was that important to you in the free agent process? Did you tell the teams, hey, I want to run more, I can run? I know there's a random question, but I'm looking at the stats. Well, uh, Maybe he just wanted to run.
0: <laughs> well, you, you know what, Josh? I was always, like, I would say, like, my best attribute as, uh, as a baseball player was that I was an athlete. So I don't think I was tools. ever – I don't think I was ever a great baseball player, um, really, at any point. No, but dude, I, I, come on.
1: You make it to the major leagues, you're a good baseball player.
0: Yeah, well, of course. But but in, in the kind of grand scheme of things, like compared to other big leaguers, um, now, don't get me wrong. I, again, like I had, I had a, a couple good years and whatnot, but I felt like my strength was – my biggest strength was my overall athletic ability. And so when I was in Oakland – They were on that stolen base kick where it's like you cannot get thrown out because outs are valuable. Makes a lot of sense. But there's a threshold that says if you could steal at 80% or above, the stolen base is worth it. So I was always really cautious stealing in Oakland. But if you look at, like, the numbers there, I don't remember where they were. You only got caught stealing, I
2: I think, eight times in five years. (laughs) Yeah, it shows. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) Crazy. I I
0: just – it was one of those things. what happened six is times. I got You're to Arizona, and Bob <laughs> Bob Melvin came to me the first year. And he goes, hey, man, he goes, every time you get on base, I want you to steal. And I'm like, okay, Bob, yeah, sure. And I end up stealing, <laughs> like, with 25 out of 26 or something. And he goes, the next year, I show up again in spring training in 2007. He goes, I don't think you understood me every effing time still (laughs) and so i'm like okay and so that was the first year that i felt like the change got taken back and i wasn't worried about whether or not i was going to be in the lineup the next day it was a it was really sure you know one of the only years that i played where i went to the clubhouse and i just i didn't even check the lineup i knew i i I knew i was in
2: there leading off probably i bet
0: I uh, hit. I lead off one day. Hit fourth the next. Yeah. It Hit. I did. not I and mean, that's. I pride myself in that too. Is having the ability to, you know, go go both. Uh, go both in a in a spot where you could get on and make something happen, and and in that leadoff spot, and then also hit cleanup as well. I think now because, you know, you see managers manipulate lineups different ways. If you were to ask me. I would get into that situation sometimes. And 2007 was probably the first year where I didn't change my game based on where I was hitting in the lineup. Sure. I just, and I think that's really important for all hitters. Um, you know, even don't change your mentality based on external factors that really don't mean anything. Go out there, you play your game, take good at bats, see the pitch, look for something to drive, put a good swing on it, that's it.
1: You know what? We've all been hanging out at home, not doing a whole lot, doing a lot of stuff around the house, cleaning. Um, you know what? There's some other fun stuff you can do. You know what you can still do? You can still bet online. You know where you go? You go to betonline.ag. With no NBA, NHL, or MLB, which, who knows, maybe MLB will be starting up soon. You might think there's nothing else to bet on, but Bet Online still has hundreds of places to wager, including their online casino with poker and blackjack. And and sports aren't completely done. There's still some other stuff you could bet on. Mixed Martial Arts, American Idol. That's right, you can bet on American Idol. The Elections, the Spelling Bee, and their $750,000 poker series. There's still some fun to be had on betonline.ag and use their promo code, MyPod100, to receive your welcome bonus on your first episode. That's right, you get an extra little bonus. Again, that's betonline.ag, B-E-T-O-N-L-I-N-E.ag, and use the promo code MYPOD100, M-Y-P-O-D-100. Bet online, the fun never ends. Right. Hey, so we're getting down here to the nitty-gritty uh, end of the show. I got, got a little fun thing. I'm going to throw some uh, simple questions at you, kind of silly, um, and we'll get your opinion. Okay, first uh, what is your least favorite of the triathlon—the swim, the bike, or the run?
0: Oh, the let's swim. talk about the one
1: across the country. <laughs> the let's, add, let's, let's make it bigger. What was yeah, your least the, favorite part?
0: The swim—it's—it's—it's it's, it's gnarly. I mean, drop, hopping into fifty-two degree water, uh, shark-infested—you know, had a juvenile great white shark swim right underneath me. Um, the being out in the middle of the bay with the barges. Um, current the current geez uh, i was swimming basically uphill for the last mile and a half two miles of the swim it looked like and you you could tell in the dock it looks like i was swimming backwards um it's it's the most intimidating is i do you know i do like uh the feeling of getting out of the water there's no better feeling (laughs) Um, because it's
1: over with that's why you're like i'm done yeah
0: it's it's i didn't swim growing up um other than you know i grew up surfing but not never competitively swam so that it's uh that's the most difficult for me
1: okay two-part question here favorite ballpark
0: um if, if i had to just pick one and obviously i'm biased to where i went to when i was a kid it's candlestick park Okay. Uh, oh, no the stick,
1: man. That was, uh, that was something I hated that place just as a pitcher. I, I, it was, it was, it was bad.
0: I never got to play there. So I went there as a kid and it just it's the nostalgia uh, element for me. Well, it's, now it's we just, know
2: why you didn't sign with the Dodgers when they drafted you out of high school. If you're a
1: Giants fan, huh? Right.
0: Yeah. I Will Clark, hard.
1: man, we have that common bond. I loved Will
0: Clark growing up. Yeah. Will, Will was, uh, Will was my everything. So I would say that Without a doubt, like, favorite ballparks, Old Yankee Stadium, Wrigley Field, Fenway Park, Dodger Stadium. Lock them up. Okay, worst Uh, ballpark.
1: Worst ballparks. Worst ballpark.
0: Worst? Um...
1: I mean, there's not a bad big league ballpark. Well, it's I'm funny that you're asking the
2: guy who was drafted by the A's and played <laughs> some great years about the worst ballpark because I know what a I lot I think of there's guys.
1: some worse ones. <laughs> Eric played early enough where he played in some of the older ballparks.
0: Yeah, no. I, I mean, I, they, call, they, they call the Coliseum the giant toilet bowl. But <laughs> it's – you know, the thing about the Coliseum is it's like, I like playing there. I had no problem. The worst ballparks were the ones where I didn't play well. Right? <laughs> like minnesota
1: spoken like, like I, a true I, athlete right there
0: yeah the, the, the
1: uh, minnesota oh, was I, bad yeah minnesota I, I, uh old, uh old milwaukee like I,
0: I didn't hit i didn't i never played old milwaukee you know where i love the ballpark i love the city i love the road trip but i never played well you know, it's kind of funny because i signed with them with seattle
1: seattle so yeah you that, know, like, seattle was great that was great all I right was, uh,
0: everything was great about it but yeah you know so Anyway. It's a big
1: ballpark, yeah. All right, worst state you crossed during the uh, trip across America. Toughest state.
0: So it's by far and away, and it's not even close, Wyoming. And it's, I don't say in the sense that, because if I had to move tomorrow, there's a good chance, like, i tell you, I'll go move to Wyoming. Like, I loved Wyoming.
1: Why was it but, Why was it bad?
0: Oh, uh, it's the Wild West. We might as well have been crossing in a covered wagon. I mean, it was... <laughs> The, the stuff that I saw there, just getting from Cheyenne, or no, no, it was from uh, Laramie where University of Wyoming is to Cheyenne, we, we couldn't ride on the 80, okay? And riding on the 80 is already uncomfortable anyway. So if I'm telling you, like, I would have much rather ridden on the 80, that says a lot. We end up having to take these back dirt roads across a gun shooting range and end <laughs> up what feels like on top of the moon. On this dirt, gravel, like rolling hill road, which was—don't get me wrong—super cool—with with the tornado chasing us. When I say tornado, like literally a tornado touched down a few miles from us. Like the, the nastiest, gnarliest thing. Lightning strike within feet. Justin, uh, my brother-in-law, Muddy Waters, triathlon coach—they—they basically—they were following me that day, and so they came in front of me and went. Aah! And, and and they're like, dude, you gotta get in. Because when you're doing these things, your mind's not you're in you're in go mode, right? It's like if you're on the mound, you're in go mode, nothing's stopping you, nothing's getting your way. So I wasn't gonna stop. But when the lightning hit right there, and they these guys pull in front, so I had to put my bike in the car, drive 40 miles to uh, to Cheyenne, wait for the storm to pass with with like literally like softball-sized hail. i have never seen hill like this. Go right back to the same spot, got to connect the dots, right? right. No way I was leaving, you know, one one inch. <laughs> They're like, uh, no, you not, forgot not, three not. miles. Yeah, that wasn't happening. So go back to the exact same spot, drop me off. By this time, there's another storm coming in. And it had, the good thing was it had about like 45, 50 mile per hour tailwinds. And never in my life, I, I, I literally like, I'm, I'm having flashbacks right now. And it was super, super freaking cool, Uh, but super darkly at the same time. So I'm in my aero position on my bike like this, and I have a 45, 50-mile-per-hour tailwind. I got to be doing 45, 50 miles per hour myself, and I'm watching. I'm, like, looking off to the right, and I have the, the GoPros facing that way, and it's just, and just, it was like, it was something out of a movie, something that's like, dude, this isn't real. And uh, end up making it to Cheyenne, but that was—I don't know—that that was it's just everything that went on in that state was <laughs> so next level. Oh, I'm going down the Continental Divide. So then I end up going—we we climb up. It was like to I think 12,000 feet, okay. And then I'm coming down the Continental Divide, flying again like 40, 50 miles per hour in a a, a, a whole cattle herd. <laughs> decide to cross the road. So it was just like, <laughs> like, like just the, the wildest stuff you could imagine happened there.
1: How funny. What, what was the best state? What state did you enjoy? Iowa. Was? Iowa. Iowa.
0: I feel the dreams. And, and Oh and yeah. The,
1: like, yeah. I remember you said that. Yeah. I've never been there. I've never been there. I was driving from uh, Kansas city to Chicago with my wife on an off day going up to Chicago. And I said, Hey, let's veer off to feel the dreams. It was like two and a half, three hours out of the way. And I'm like, "Ah, we probably should just get to Chicago. It's one of the regrets that I've had.
0: Yeah. You got to get there. It's one of the coolest things that I've ever seen in my life. And even beyond that, just the whole state of Iowa, the rolling green Hills, um, it was it was just an awesome, epic riding experience. They have a, a race called Ragbri, that yeah you you go across the whole state of Iowa. So it's super bicycle friendly because uh, they're used to having cyclists out there. Huge bike lanes, um, just just really uh, a a cool cool spot.
1: Okay, a few more questions. Uh, if you had your chance, what would you wear? Speedo or board shorts? Uh, I mean, that's an interesting for one for, for you
0: for, for, an, for an Instagram video a speedo. <laughs> okay. for, for like hanging out like really hanging out I'm, no, I'm I never those.
1: know with you I never know with you yeah. I don't know if you're like that's, hey let's go to the beach I'm going to throw my star spangled bannered speedo I don't know no, I've seen a lot only of it.
0: only only to get a reaction okay I mean it's I, if, if there's there's very few things in life that I think like bring a smile to everybody's face one way or another, it's Eric
1: Burns in a speedo is one of them. <laughs> a, a,
0: a, a dong sarong is one of them, right? it's, just, it's just like, what do you do?
1: It, listen, just, it depends who has it on. If I got one on, that's not bringing smiles to many people's faces. I'm telling you. All right, do you um, consider yourself more of a baseball player or an endurance athlete?
0: Uh, you know what's funny? Because I get I get this question a lot. Um, you know, obviously at this point um you know i i i'm an, <laughs> I'm an endurance athlete it's, it's what it's what i do now that said i learned from baseball and right this josh just goes back to like that oh six or seven period mm-hmm. when i finally was able to you know in, in some ways you could say fulfill uh, a lot of my potential but we over identify ourselves with whatever we do in life and so i learned at some point playing baseball it's like dude, like baseball is great, but I had so much of my self-worth poured into that sport. And sure, it was what I did and I was a professional and I loved each and every single minute of it. But when we over-identify when we over-identify ourselves with anything in life, I don't think it's good. And so, you know, when it comes to controlling the things we can control, uh, attitude, effort, preparation, you know, those are all the things that like, you know if i I think about you know who I am or who how I would describe myself to somebody, I don't right, right now I'm a dude freaking wrapping it out with you guys on a podcast <laughs> and pretty soon, I'm gonna be chucking my kids some VP in the front yard and um, you know, take the girls down to the soccer field to kick the ball like it's you know it, it's, what you my, think, it's what you yeah, are in that moment. It's what you are in moment. And that moment that's a, that would be the greatest compliment that I think anyone could ever give somebody is that like, like, who is that dude? I don't know. It just depends what moment you catch me in, right? right. Because a, that, I still love the game. I still analyze the game. I still play the game in the front yard.
1: Right. That's, um, a great, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Two more. Two quick ones. What would be better? What is better? A walk-off hit or a homer or crossing the finish line?
0: Uh, I mean, that's, it just depends. I mean, tr- crossing the finish line of that triathlon across America – well, I think. Well,
1: that's because you just put like two months of your life and. Yeah, uh,
0: that that trumped probably any walk off homer that I ever had, um, but you know, for a standard race, it's like, you know, it, it, it all depends. we get out what we put in, and so when you're heavily invested, uh, physically and mentally into something, um, you know, I think we all know that. The reward at the end of the day, whether it was crossing the finish line of the try across America, you know, or hitting a walk-off homer, you know, I can think back, I, you know, a homer I had in the playoffs against the Cubs and like, a really cool period in time in my career. Um, the reward's a process. The reward was what it took to get there, what it took to get to that moment, what everything, all the preparation that we put in, that allowed us to get there. That's the award. I'm telling my kids that they just got a bunch of trophies sent to them because the ski season got cut short, and all three of them did great and um, you know finished towards the very top of this pretty gnarly, you know, far west ski racing division out here, and it just they killed it. Right? Your, kids st- so your kids are your kids
1: are are studs on the slope.
0: They they are, but you know what? They put in a lot of time. But they're sitting there, they're talking over like. They're talking about this trophy, or this trophy, or this trophy. Well, mine's bigger, and mine's this, mine's that. And I'm like, like you sit up there, and there's three Emmy awards that I was fortunate to be a part of an MLB Network team that we won, right? And they're sitting up there. I'm like, have you guys ever heard me say a single thing about the like these awards? Like, I don't care. Those awards are cool, and it's a nice little thing. It's like, hey, sure, it's a celebration of. Your accomplishment, but you guys know what the real reward was. The reward was you freaking charging down that mountain and making the perfect turn, and the practice that you put in, and hanging out with your friends and doing what you did. That's the that's the reward. That's That's just a remind.
1: That's a reminder of that. that it's
0: a reminder of the process. You know what? That's freaking. I'm 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 writing a daily hustle on that. The reward (laughs) is a simple reminder of the process.
1: Right. Okay. You got to pick one of these. I'm not going to let you get off on, on, on saying either one is great. Win a World Series or win an Ironman? Like win the Ironman, best, best time.
0: Uh, yeah, it's, it's almost oh. like even tough to relate to the Ironman because I've never – now I've won races before, much smaller races. I'm
1: talking about like um, let's let's go to Hawaii and run that. Yeah, yeah, like
0: Man. like that's what I'm saying. Like it's tough for me to re- even relate or comprehend that. Uh because I, j- I just I, I wasn't ever at that level, right? And, and in a lot of ways, um I'm grateful for that. And I, I say that in, in a sense that like I got into the sport for knowing that like I'd already competed at the top level of major league baseball. i have been there. It doesn't mean I don't want to compete again. I do, but there's a difference when you have something that is your livelihood, right? Right. And then you have, you have something that is purely done out of the joy of doing it. And so when I got into triathlon, it literally was like, I wasn't getting paid to do this. No, and it's so a hobby back. at that point. Yeah. I was it was costing me a lot of money right to, to to go ahead and do this. So the concept and idea to 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 like win Kona I was never I'd never I've never been at that level I'm not at that level Um but
1: if you if you could win one come on you got, you, you can't, let, let's not dance around this.
0: here's the thing about the world series
2: Kona is the one
0: yeah it's Kona is, one, Kona right? definitely is the one yeah. but here's the thing about the World Series. The World Series is – you know that whole process I talked about, right? The World right. Series is that process, not individually, but collectively as a team. That's what makes a World Series so special. That was That's what makes it so cool. But at the same time, guess what happens after a World Series is won? It's over. The next <laughs> you, have a, you, have a,
1: you have a reminder of the process. Yeah,
0: but I, but I don't give a shit about a win. <laughs> like, if people – the, the funny thing is, is like, people ask me, they're like, dude, are you disappointed you never won a ring? And I'm like, no, I don't, what do I care? I Would have I loved to win a ring? Of course. Was that 20-game win experience with the Oakland A's? Like, that alone, in a lot of ways, maybe was, was even kind of like winning a ring. It was just like this, such a euphoric experience in the way back then that it got so much attention as it built up and, you know, I mean, they ended up making a boot. But at the same time, it's like, you look back on that. And, and the thing that resonates with me were the relationships. Right. It was no, David Justice being freaking, you know, going out with 23 out of 25 guys. And I lose a credit card roulette game. And I'm walking back with a $10,000 bill. Oh. My checks were like 15 grand, right? So i have been like, basically, <laughs> my paycheck gone. And this dude comes up over the top. And he hands me the bill that I already signed out. Yes, here you go bro and it says void
1: on it yeah like uh, and that's that's, I a,
0: think, that's the type of that i think
1: i think if you talk to pretty much every professional athlete across the board and i mean every single one and when they're done playing you say what do you miss what do you miss in the game and it's all going to be the relationships and the process and the grind with the team and that's what i miss i miss the guys i miss wow. this i miss our banter before we even started taping like what's going on and you just start talking about anything and everything that's that was batting practice you know shagging in the outfields is is those conversations I hated batting practice I hated shagging but I'd give anything to go back for one batting practice to stand out with some boys and just shoot the shit yeah sit there and talk about it and 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 hang out that's what I miss the most is that is that camaraderie for sure All right, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. Um, hey, yeah, I think we could
2: quick... talk for days. So I know, we, we, we've kept so. you way longer than <laughs> I thought.
1: One, one quick thing, because it's relevant right now, um, and we, we can just touch on this real quick, is, is the season. The season that got postponed or, or, or potentially canceled because of what's going on. Uh, and then talking about starting it up in Arizona with no fans in the spring training facilities. What do you think about all that?
0: I'd love to see it happen, um, so long as you no one's safety is put in jeopardy. Um, I, I think that baseball is in a very unique position where uh, we have the ability to, you know, really kind of be a nice morale boost for a country in need of it right you're,
1: now. You're part of 9-11. You're, you're around with 9-11, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. I, we had Kevin Newman on the show uh, last week, and we talked about that first game back from a 9-11 and how how it was so great for the country, how, like, it's something I will never forget.
0: Never, never. And, and it's in, you know, in a lot of ways, I remember um, I remember this from a, a, a documentary I watched with uh, Pat Tillman. But they had a vote in the Arizona Cardinals um, clubhouse of, like, hey, you know, how many players want to play Sunday and how many players don't want to play whatever. So it's like everybody said no play. Right? Pat Tillman was one guy that raised up his hand and was like, nah, we play. And the, the, in the documentary, they have one of this, this New Yorker that was there. And he's like, dude, what the fuck? Like, no, like, how disrespectful, how dare you this, whatever. And, and, and basically, like, let Tillman have it. And Pat goes, we don't play, they win. Yeah. We play. We show them, you can't stop us. It's our way of responding. And that, in a lot of ways, bringing it back to today, is our response to the COVID-19. It's like, look, you've completely, this whole thing, this whole virus has completely altered our lives in so many different regards. But whatever, what we've showed that we can do as a country, as long as I've been alive, And I I love history. So, you know, I'm actually even currently watching this uh, How America Was Made documentary. It's like an 11-part series. Oh, I watched some of
1: that. It's great.
0: Oh, so cool. So, but we we are resilient. We are resourceful. And no matter what, we are going to figure out a way to continue to put one foot in front of the other. And so in a microcosm here with baseball – that's one of the ways that we are going to show this virus that, look, we're going to make adjustments, but we're going to continue to go. And, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see it happen. It's just there's obviously um, a, lot, a lot that's going to need to go into it, and, and nobody wants to jeopardize the safety um, of anybody as well. So it's, you know, <laughs> Rob Manfred and Tony Petiti, who, I had an opportunity to work for at MLB Network. Uh, both these guys are very innovative, very progressive. Um, they even talked
1: about. They, I heard something even talking about playing in Japan, which would. I heard that too. Which would be? Hey. I don't know if I like that idea. I, I'm all about getting the games in and not losing the season, but I'd like to keep it here if we could.
0: Yeah, but what do I care? I'm watching it on TV. Yeah,
1: that's true I mean, Yeah, right. we're not yeah, going. That's out true. To games. We're not going to the games.
0: Like, I just want baseball. I want. Yeah. The, I want baseball, at the elite high you level. You and me both,
1: man. I need that's to it. Watch,
2: <laughs>
0: right?
1: Josh wants all baseball except the Astros. That's, yeah, that's, well, right. that's been a constant on our podcast.
2: Hey, give me your thirty-second response to um, your what, what happened with with Houston. I mean, what's your thoughts on what happened there?
0: I uh, caught in the culture. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. One thing, one small thing, like the big things. Yeah. So, essentially, you know. I, I've had a, I've had an opportunity to talk extensively uh, to people within the organization, and you could see how and why it progressed to to the level it did, um, and the justification also of hey everyone else is doing it. I, I, I mean that's, it's a real easy excuse. Yeah. Um, they're was it right? No, absolutely not. And it's unfortunate that it happened. Um, obviously, the Dodgers are. Uh, you know, on the losing end of it. Now, Here, who's who's <laughs> to say what everybody else is, was doing? I have no idea. But I can just speak of Houston's situation because we do know because of the report. And it wasn't right. And sign stealing is not right. And I don't give a shit. Relaying catcher signs from second base isn't right. I never thought it was right. I never wanted the signs. Not necessarily just because it was a moral thing, but also because, if you throw me, you tell me a you tell me a curveball's coming, I'm gonna swing if it's five feet outside the dirt. Because just because you know what's coming. I mean, yeah, just I I didn't want to mess with it. And I, I also always believed in you know the look, man, you, you start cheating the system, it's the same reason why why I never did steroids. Like it's you to go up to bat, like you have that moral conscious thing in the back of your head, like no, nah, man, I didn't do this right.
1: Yeah. Right? right. Like it's,
0: there's something deep inside. Yeah.
1: There's a, you know, that, Eric, there's a lot of people that, that they don't, they don't have that thought process. They don't have, they don't care. We know, you know, a lot of people. I know a lot of people that did a lot of steroids. It's just, they it's don't. Just, it's just, doesn't it's bother them. It's
0: justifiable though. It was yeah. so easy. To, if I had done it and I've said this, it's like, I don't even know if it was a moral thing. Like, I'm like, I don't need to get faster. I don't need to hit the ball further. I need to lay out the two-two curveball in the dirt. Then I come to, <laughs> then I come to find out that, like, it helps your eyesight. And I'm like, oh shit, man! I'm glad I didn't know that, right? So at what and, and then, at what point is it like, how much was it going to guarantee you success? And 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 ultimately, I think there's something, uh, you know, intrinsically wrong about about cheating. It's just, it's just not right. It's not right. And so when we, we've created a culture and it's not just in Houston, but in major league baseball for 150 years, that fosters cheating. So when you have pitchers that use pine tar, we never use use, pine tar. You're at, there's (laughs) never
2: red has clarified that (laughs) for us consistently. The pitchers
1: don't cheat. I'll tell you exactly where I put it. I'll tell you exactly where (laughs) I put it.
0: it's, It's, it's incredible though, that legalized pine tar, right? Like, but just make it to an extent like we need to, if the players can't govern themselves and, and teams can't govern themselves, which they can't, they've proven they can't. We need to govern them. We, we need to now govern them. The, 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 at least the sport needs to now govern them. So I'd like to see all technology gone, out, done, nothing in the dugout. Um, and as far as like pitchers with the pipes are sure, Go go ahead. We're just trying to uh, say my
1: my justification. We're just trying to say the balls were slick. So I just didn't want to let one loose. And 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 they were. (laughs) They They were were slick.
0: Those those old major league balls, those little rocks, you know, little rocks with no seams. Dude, I was just cleaning. I don't blame you guys.
1: I was doing the quarantine clean out of my garage. And I came upon a box of stuff from the beginning of my career and the baseballs. And I pulled out a baseball from 1997 and had a, a 2019 baseball. And the difference is crazy. Crazy how like tacky one was and that you could feel the leather and it was bumpy to now where they're like ping, like ping pong balls or like lacrosse balls like that. It's it's crazy. It's, it's interesting. Well, listen, Eric, um, always entertaining. Um, let me, let me, let me throw down some say, if you don't follow Eric on Instagram or Twitter, uh, you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, it's at eburns22 on Instagram and the same on Twitter your podcasts, the hustle podcast, you can get it on probably any podcast, um, your favorite ones or ericburns.com. The effort list lessons from a human crash test dummy is your book. You wrote, um, your foundation, let them play.org. Um, go there, check out the information. Uh, let them play is where you can get the, uh, the documentary, which like I said, I watched it a few days ago. And, and, and if it doesn't motivate you, you don't have a pulse. Um, you know, we really appreciate you. We kept you on a lot longer than uh yeah, thanks we for expecting but it's man. great. It fun. Man, it's good to catch up and 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 kind of get your thoughts on some stuff. We love you, uh, buddy. Um we'll keep watching, man. Appreciate it. Do what you do. Have a good one, bud.
0: Yeah, thanks, guys. Josh and uh Paco, thanks, man. You guys, All right, uh, buddy. Appreciate you guys having me.
1: All right, bud. Keep it up, man.
0: All right, guys. Thanks. All right, see ya. Bye.